Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Well, some mixed numbers today in our market trade. It was lower on the corn, the oil, and uh, looking at the livestock side, a little bit lower on the hogs, but pretty much we can say a fourth consecutive day of a lot of green on the screen for the cattle market. We'll take a look at some interesting things happening in the trade, and unfortunately there's a global pressure that is definitely being put in on those numbers today. We're going to get the details from Arlen Suderman with Stonex. And Arlen, I think if folks saw the early morning news or heard the early morning news on the radio it was about things heating up once again the black sea region but this time a new formulation coming in and that's part of it's the united states yeah um it's not just us it's uh, european countries as well sending tanks into ukraine so it's escalating we're getting a little bit more involvement and it seems like each week that goes by now we're being pulled more directly into this war now, you can talk about the good or the bad of it, but the, the, the bottom line is that it is escalating things with Russia because Russia is determined not to lose this war. And uh, so they are going to do, they're going to counter and escalate it on their end as well. Um, in fact, I think one of the key comments that I saw came from the former president of Russia, Medvedev, if I pronounce that right. Um, who currently serves on the Security Council in Russia. And he, he said, said basically there is no reason at all for a major nuclear power to lose a significant co- military conflict. And he went on to say, you know, basically that if it appears that Ukraine's going to win, then nuclear weapons probably be used. Is that a threat? Perhaps. I mean, they've certainly threatened with the nuclear option before, and nuclear option there beyond the human pain. I won't talk much about that because that's the obvious. But what it would do is take much of the breadbasket of the world and deem it uh, unusable for producing food for many years, maybe even decades, depending on the scope of it. And so that would be a significant long-term concern uh, for feeding the world because there's so much the amount of food that comes from that part of the world, etc. So things are escalating. Uh, in fact, this morning we saw a reaction in the market for a brief time when reports came out that a Turkish ship sitting in the port at Kherson of Ukraine was struck by a missile and a fire broke out. Um, so it just shows how things are generally escalating now in this battle. And, you know, we've kind of forgotten about it. But if anything, I think the risks are going up longer term. So what do you see that as for nearby pressure from an agricultural perspective? And from an agricultural perspective, it means we have upside risk again. And, you know, uh, we're getting a little bit of support this week in the, <coughs> excuse me, in the wheat market. Uh, from India saying that they're going to release 3 million metric tons or better than 100 million bushels from their food reserves uh, trying to contain, you know, food inflation that's getting out of control there. Just showing how tight things are right now in many parts of the world. And, yeah, Russia has a lot of wheat to export, but there are capacities on how much they can export because of the sanctions, because of infrastructure, etc., and if you look at the major exporting countries combined, their exportable supplies are near record tight as a percent of annual usage. 
so that is a concern. And here we are have a major drought here in the U.S. Plains that starts to matter a little bit more. Does the market care? Not really. We're building large short or sold positions in Chicago wheat, even starting to build some short positions by the funds in Kansas City wheat. And I think that's one of the things that really has traders nervous right now. What if something happens to trigger those funds wanting to exit those short positions? Um, there's no other natural sellers now to offset the buying that would take place, uh, the buy orders to get out of those positions. So we could have a big surge in prices. Am I forecasting that? No, but I'm saying that is what the upside risk is. So many traders holding short positions are getting nervous, and that's one reason we've been seeing some short covering here over the last couple of days in the wheat market um, as we kind of monitor some of the headlines that potentially could trigger that run for the hills from those funds holding short big short positions and pressure closer to home is just the pressure that's been in south america keeping on these markets yeah argentine drought has got a lot of attention in parts of argentina it is really bad not all of argentina uh, but certainly much of argentina it's really bad um, they started planting their corn back in october and some of their soybeans in october november um, they're just wrapping up planting now. So it's a very long planting season. But the early planted stuff has got some serious problems. The late planted stuff has opportunity for rains. Well, we had some really good rains there this last weekend. Not widespread. It was more scattered pop-up thunderstorm type. More is expected here as we go into the end of this week and then another round early next week as well. So the pattern seems to be shifting somewhat. Um, but meanwhile, we're starting a ma- massive harvest, a crop of a, a massive crop, I should say, harvest of it uh, in Brazil to the north on the soybean side. Um, so how do you balance those two out? As I add them up and you include Paraguay and Uruguay in there as well, the four major producing countries in South America, even if you use the lowest estimate from a major source that I've seen at 37 million metric tons from Rosario Grain Exchange, you're still left with uh, nearly a 900 million bushel increase in production for South America this year. That's how big Brazil's crop is right now. A lot of that's going to be flowing down the Paraná River to crushing plants in Argentina. In fact, that has already started. All right. Well, stick around, folks. We come back. We'll talk weather, kind of flipping the page to look at it from a U.S. perspective. We have a listener question wondering about the winter wheat crop and what the what the winter really has been doing, especially with some lack of any sort of snow cover. A lot more is coming up. It's the Wednesday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Joe Gangwish with Fontenelle Hybrids. Let's get another Fontenelle feature, this time with Lynn Junk. Lynn and his wife Michelle run Junk Seeds near Carroll, Nebraska. Lynn, you say being a dealer for Fontenelle has been enjoyable. How so? My uh, favorite part about it is getting to uh, help my customers, which most of them are family, friends, and neighbors, to make good decisions out in their field and to help them bring more dollars home. Let's talk about performance. How has Fontenelle performed on your own farm? The Fontenelle products on my farm have performed very well. The main thing I've been able to see is a consistency between the different hybrids and allowing me to have more flexibility on placement. It's nice to have numbers that are able to go in and out of difficult acres but yet perform well on your better soils on a farm. It's just been very good and quite frankly it's increased my profit. That's Fontenelle dealer Lynn Junk. For more information you can always contact Junk Seeds in the Carroll, Nebraska area or any local Fontenelle hybrids dealer. KRVN. 
Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As we continue our conversation this afternoon with Arlen Suderman. Of course, Arlen is with Stonex. And uh, left off, got a listener question about the weather. And we know that there's another whole weather system that's moving through. And that's going to make for some interesting things, both from a grain and a livestock perspective. But they're wondering about the winter wheat crop. Do you see any worry at this point with the colder temperatures, lack of snow cover in some areas? Yeah, it is a problem because we have some very cold air that's coming down uh, out of the Arctic here coming over the coming week. And uh, I I know nobody's too excited about it. It certainly isn't going to make it too fun to be taking care of livestock, nor is it going to help performance of livestock. But back to the winter wheat crop, a lot of it does have snow cover on it, and especially um, to the uh, north and to the south now we have snow cover and we have an area kind of going through the central plains that's missing snow cover so if you look at the current extent and and we generally think of temperatures below minus five degrees fahrenheit as being a risk to the crop at this stage right now if you look at the current models and what they're projecting of possible temperatures and where the snow cover is thick enough generally for that kind of cold you want at least four inches of snow uh, and you look at it, it's really a relatively small area right now that's vulnerable. So we're talking 2 to 3% of the total winter wheat crop. Uh, probably the most vulnerable areas right now for where the cold is expected to really, the core of the cold is expected to be and the lack of snow cover is really into Missouri, into Illinois at this point. Uh, the not too many concerns about the Plains winter wheat crop, but obviously that can change. And so it's something we're monitoring with these weather models as they continue to evolve. From a livestock perspective, what type of pressure do you think this is going to put on our on our cattle market? That's yeah, one more factor. Right now we're getting some pretty sloppy pins in the northern feedlot belt as the snow starts to do some melting ahead of that cold. Um, now we have uh, snow also in Colorado, Kansas, and Oklahoma, Texas uh, feedlots as well. So that's starting to affect performance. We're starting to pull weight. Our carcass weights are down uh, lower than the past couple of years for this time of year. That's helping to tighten up the beef supply. That's the good news from it. Um, but it is also slowing marketings, uh, maybe giving the feedlots a little bit more leverage. Still waiting for cash activity to unfold this week. The, the market seems to be pricing in expectations, maybe steady a little bit firmer this week. We'll have to see how it plays out. Well, we do have a big report coming out next Tuesday, though. Not a lot of preliminary pre-report numbers have been put out as of yet. But what are your thoughts on next Tuesday's cattle inventory report? Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one. And we're seeing estimates kind of all over the place. As I look at various industry estimates, I see one that puts the 22 calf crop uh, basically down about a little better than 1.5% from 2021 levels. Another one comes up with an even lower number, putting it down about 4.5%. So that's quite a difference. Uh, the beef cow herd generally seen down 4 to 4.4, 4.5%. So we are shrinking supplies. And generally the expectation is that beef production this year overall is going to be down about 8% from year-ago levels. The question is, when do we truly turn the corner weather-wise enough to start rebuilding the cow herd? That's when the heifers are going to be held back. I've heard some stories, anecdotal stories of some of that happening already. 
so far the data is really not showing a significant amount of heifers being held back. So that's what we're going to be watching. But at that point when that happens, we're going to tighten up the on-feed supplies even more, creating more of a short supply going forward. So uh, the next couple of years look like they're going to be very interesting in the cattle market. The key then is going to be the consumer. When you tighten supplies of meat, then it comes down to that tends to give you higher prices. How high a price is, are the, is the consumer going to be willing to pay in the current economic environment? So then you start looking at the economy and some of the challenges there. And that brings next week's Fed meeting more into play. Is the pet Fed going to start showing signs of pivoting? Are they going to hold the line and say, we've got more work to do, we need higher rates, need to hurt the economy more? That could have a big impact on uh, beef prices and therefore cattle prices going forward over the next couple of years. Real quick before we wrap up, did we find some technical support for these hogs? Uh, That's a key question. Uh, Basically, we have. The question is, will it hold? And uh, that's what we're trying to determine right now. Watch pork belly supplies. That's going uh, prices. That's going to be the key. They, those supplies started building contra-seasonally several months ago and continuing to kind of build. That's kind of the bellwether telling us about consumer demand. All right. Great stuff today, Arlen. Best way for folks to get a hold of you? Is at stonex.com or over on Twitter. My handle is Arlen, A-R-L-A-N-F-F-101. And that is today's Fontenelle Final Bell. As always, we remind you, commodity futures and options involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.